Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Everything's good, man. You know, we don't like this time of the year for a few reasons. It's a little bit sparse on the old actual football scene. Mm-hmm. But I'm enjoying these podcasts with you. Oh yeah. And I'm gonna adopt something. I've been watching a lot of um a lot of political TV today, mm-hmm. and I noticed that there's a certain way that people talk. From now on, when you say what's up, brother, I'm gonna say, Andrew, good to be with you. It's, I like that. Very formal. Yeah, even if they're about to rip shreds off each other on CNN, everyone is saying, Good to be with you. Yeah. It's good to be with you. Brings a little bit of dignity to what is a normally undignified proceeding. Yeah. Ah, it's good to be with you as well, my friend. We have a lot to cover, actually, this evening. There's um, a little bit of movement in the transfer market. So you and I, we're going to go through, because I feel like now we, we talked last week about transfer rumors and just how scattergun approach it is to them. They're wild. They are, the pendulum swings maniacally from one end to the other, depending on what hour you check websites. So I want to bring a little, we're going to bring a little focus to them. We've kind of each pinpointed one rumor that we like. And so we're going to hone in on that. We'll go deep on those, on on one for each of us. And then we'll talk obviously about the things that uh, have been finalized, although they're kind of few and far between. Most things are kind of still in the- Thin groove. Yeah. Uh, Transfer marked. Transfer marked. (laughs) They've done something very interesting on their page. When you put in uh, a player's profile, they've done an arrow, and a green arrow it is, and also a percentage. So a percentage that this transfer is nearly done. So I checked in on the transfer today, and according to Transfer Mark, they said it was 98% done. For who? I'm not saying who that is Oh, that's a tease. Mm. Rafinha to Chelsea? Uh, no, oh. that Sterling one. To that one is more in the balance. I think there's the grasping hands of Edu <laughs> on that one, trying to to uh, to convince him to come to the other side of London. Uh, let's see. You also have a mailbag here where one of the animals really lays into you about the way you've approached Christian Pulisic. So I'm excited to, to hear your response. Yeah, it's uh, it never goes away, Andrew. Even in the off season, bias watch. Oh, is, no, that never. No, that never ends. Everything is bias. Frankie de Jong, is that the one that's at 98%? Oh, don't be saying things like that. You will send you'll send Manchester United supporters into into raptures. I don't think that's 98% yet. No. Although it seems as if there are moves going that way involving Frankie de Jong's agent at the very least. Okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you one that is 100%. And that's where we begin. Over the weekend, JJ, Tom Bogert tweeted. Bogues. That- Gareth Bale was coming to MLS and LAFC. Pretty stunning move, I think. We all knew he was going somewhere, obviously. Um, And I guess players like that, MLS is always a possibility. But I was still pretty (laughs) shocked. I was still pretty shocked. So there's a few ways to approach this. Um, And the, the first angle for me to go to with this is whether or not you were surprised by the decision to do it, whether or not it makes sense for him. Um, I actually think it it makes perfect sense from a couple standpoints. Look, we all know, like, there's no veil of secrecy anymore as to what Gareth Bale's priorities are. You know, like, 
Real Madrid fans could be upset about it because he joined under a huge sum of money, and then they thought they'd be priority one. He's on these. Wages. They were for a while. And he was on wages of what six hundred fifty thousand a week, something like that. Like some, I mean, really <laughs> something that is just remarkable. Um, so I could understand why they would feel that way when, when, and they were a little bit perturbed by the fact that it seemed like Wales had kind of usurped them as as his true priority. But we're under no illusions here. No. Okay, this guy is everything that happens between now and the fall is about his preparation for Wales. And I think the MLS calendar lines up perfectly for what he's looking for. He's going to play half a season of football in a climate, while hot in L.A., you know, it's not, you know, there will be moments where it's unbearable, other places that he'll travel to, but, like, it's It's Southern California. It's not Cardiff. (laughs) That's what it's not. It's not Cardiff in October. Yeah. um, You know, so he'll get half a season in. Uh, it's probably the right amount of time he'll be kind of, you know, I'm assuming LAFC are going to make a playoff run. They're the best team in the league right now. Uh, so, you know, the, the MLS Cup final, I think, is November 5th. Uh, if they make a run all the way to there, he'll have a couple weeks in between the two. It kind of just, it seems like this is all, it all fits the right way. It's a team that's going to play a style that I think will be fun for him. They're open. Uh, he'll have a chance to get out, run down the wings. Um, I get it, and I... I think it works. I co-sign. I have very little argument with you. I think, crucially, he's going to come into a club, he's going to be able to dictate how much he plays. Be under no illusions. They'll have figured that out. His body will be managed. This is a landing spot with a view to the World Cup. The climate, like you said, is not going to be that dramatically different from Madrid. Um, I'd be shocked if he plays on surfaces like Portland or Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. So he'll also come in and he'll he'll be a cameo guy. It's not that he won't contribute, but he'll be allowed to be that guy and he'll be able to do as many high-intensity sprints as he, as he wishes. He'll be managed. And don't forget that Gareth Bale already manages his body within games, never mind, you know, anywhere else. I know he doesn't he hasn't played a ton of club football in the last 3-4 years. But, you know, even when he plays for Wales, it's it's not the all-action Gareth Bale we, we used to know. So he's going to come into this. I, I I think it's overstated how... I certainly feel when he plays, he'll score. But I do think it's it's overstated that this will be somehow be easy for him. I don't think it will. I, 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 I don't believe so. But it will be at, at a level that he can manage the one important thing that he has to manage. And that's his body. That it's His, his fitness, all that. He just needs to keep ticking over. Now... People will say, well, why couldn't he find a club that would do that in England? There is no club taking on a player of Gareth Bale's stature for him to just flit around, for him to just be a cameo guy. And, you know, one of the suggestions was he was going to go to Cardiff. The championship, Saturday, Tuesday, going into or I just couldn't see it. Not happening. Um, and so LAFC, from the climate standpoint, from the minute standpoint, from his status as someone who can dictate to them how much he can do and when he has to shut it down, I think ticked all the boxes. And it's low risk for LAFC. Right. There's not a lot of money. They leave a DP spot open. It's TAM money he's, he's going to be paid. Mm-hmm. And if it's not working out by November, if it's clear, listen, this guy is, is actually, he's probably finished. It's not... It's not going to work for us. They don't have to resign him. There's an option for another year, but there, but there's no obligation. It's kind of perfect. 
Yeah, and by the way, there's there's that one other part of this that we haven't even mentioned, really. He's very good. He is. He's a very good player. And they're a very good team. And like so this kind of ties into the next section of this that I want to talk about. This idea that oh, bail to MLS. Same old story. We thought we were moving away from, you know, from that old narrative of the retirement community. <laughs> We thought we had gotten away from that, where we're going with more in their, you know, younger in Ran- their prime rancho relaxo, right? Like, <laughs> you know, younger South Americans or younger Europeans. Uh, but here we go again. It's, and like, like so, John Muller of the Athletic tweeted this, um, kind of a reminder to people. And he tweeted after this bail news came down. He said, "Don Garber in March. We want our story to be about young players who are coming here at the earliest stages in their career or in their prime. We don't need uh, we don't need to bring in big a big name player at the end of their career." Because they've decided they'd like to retire in MLS. That was in February, was it, or March? He said it in March. Yeah, okay. I don't... I mean, look, I could be wrong. I don't think that that applies here. I don't view this as a player coming over here because he wants some, you know, fun American end to his career, a nice landing, a nice soft landing spot for his career to end. I think... Look, I think we have to judge all of these signings on sort of a case-by-case basis. They're all individuals. MLS, like every other league on earth, does not need to be a... a you know, this is the only way we do it. Like, a one-size-fits-all. Every club has different needs. Right now, like, LAFC are not concerned as much with developing young talent that they can sell on to a bigger European club for a massive fee. They're trying to win right now. Right. Immediately. And so they bring in Bale, who will conceivably help them do that, because like I said, he's excellent. He's a great player. He's only 32. We're not talking about a guy who's 37 years old who's truly in the twilight of his career. Bale could be really good for four more years, five more years if he wanted to be. Five, three. I see you squinting your eyes at me. But either way, this season, he could be really, really good. Helps them win. You know, so, like, I don't know. I don't see it that way. Maybe it will turn out that way. Maybe this will be a Steven Gerrard and it just won't work and he's not going to be up for it and he won't have realized that it was going to take you know, more of a physical toll yeah. on him than what it is. But it could also be Robbie Keane, who was a huge success coming over right. here. So I don't know. I, I didn't look at this and say, oh, here we go again. I think that this is a, a really big move. Also, I, I do think as a league, MLS has to admit to itself and this is not some kind of admission of shame or of the, of a fact that they haven't moved on, but there are signings in a certain kind of orbit of player from Europe that MLS cannot turn down. And, he, and Gareth Bale is right within that echelon of player. They're not. He's coming effectively straight from Real Madrid. This is Gareth Bale. This is Neymar. This is Luis Suarez. This is Messi. There's probably, I mean... Insigne comes into that category too. Coming, you can't turn these players down. They have too big of a profile. They've done too much in their career, and therefore, you know, it's not, it's not a regressive step to sign Gareth Bale per se. Now, it would be, I suppose, you what you have to factor in is they've also signed Chiellini. <laughs> like, yeah. So you've got a fair, very old floating style centre forward and a very old centre back. But again, Chiellini. Is coming off the back. Bale is not very old. He's 32. I went to a doctor, Andrew, to have a look at my knees, okay? Uh-huh. And th- this doctor had worked with the Mets. Um, he'd performed Tommy John surgery on a couple of the Mets in the past five or six years. And so he was very honest with me. He said, 
you know, you are 39, but your knees are 50. So mm. you have to look after them in a different way. Gareth Bale's body is not that of... He's had significant injuries and he's always had to manage through them. So it's okay to say he's a little bit older on, on that kind of spectrum. But the point being is, like, there's a difference between bringing him in, I think, and Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard, who were clearly finished. Like, it was over, and there was really no more mountains to climb for them. He's got a World Cup on the horizon, and I don't think he's any intentions of finishing with Wales anytime soon. So, in that sense, he's got a lot of road left to run, and I don't I don't see him as some of the signings we've seen in the past. I, I don't I don't view him in that in that spectrum. However, I do view him looking at LAFC and thinking, this is a place where I can manage myself. I and, and, and that's the question if you're an LAFC fan. Are you happy there's a guy coming in who's really going to be more worried that his hamstrings are stretchy and are okay than lifting MLS Cup in November? That's that's an inescapable fact. We we all know that's the case. That I want to fight you on it, but it is it's kind of the way that I feel about it too. Yeah. And look, I think that this situation kind of makes perfect bedfellows. Like they're they're both going to get something out of this relationship. We all know what's going on here. It's a compromise. Yeah, essentially. I mean, look, here LAFC are good enough potentially without him to go on and win MLS Cup this season. Like I said, they're the they're Top of the supporter shield standings right now. They look like the best team in MLS. Carlos Vela just re-upped, by the way, which I wonder if you know him finding out, oh, Gareth Bale's coming here. I don't want to miss out on that. <laughs> We're really going for it. So he's going to finish out the season with them, which is obviously massively important. Um, so, like, I think it all, I don't like I said to start this out, I, I think it just, I think this all works. I, I think it's just, you know, if whether or not he's a super sub, whether or not he's like an every other game player, or maybe we'll all be surprised and he's going to give it a go week in, week out for, you know, 65 minutes one week, 70 another. 20 the next. I think it's going to be a real, real management job. I really do. And I, I hope he hasn't underestimated how lively the league can be, how different each scenario can be conditions-wise, you know, from surface to surface from climate to climate well like you said I think the, I, if you're going to talk about him being managed the, the surfaces will be the turf surfaces I would not you know if you want to if you want to go see Gareth Bale play but you got a turf surface in your stadium I wouldn't spend I wouldn't go spending a lot of money on that ticket right now imagine that's not in the contract <laughs> yeah I, I can't imagine that it, it, it isn't there in very big writing don't put me on turf thanks Gareth <laughs> yeah um, so we'll see I like it uh, and I think um, I don't know. I don't. I don't really see much of a, uh, a downside to it as things stand right now. That's how we feel about it. Let's go now, though, to the true expert on this. As we talk about Gareth Bale, we bring in the voice of LAFC, the host of the Soccer OG podcast as well, Max Bretos, back on the podcast. Max, what's up, man? How are you? <laughs> you said that, that like it was three weeks ago. I know. <laughs> yeah, about eight years, roughly. Oh, good lord! Three weeks. Yeah, eight years. I remember, I remember it, and it, what an exciting time because uh, as I was telling you guys off the air, I mean, podcasts, certainly soccer podcasts on ESPN or anywhere were just uh, in the embryonic stage, and it was like, it was this new thing. I go, wow, I wonder if these guys uh, will uh, will find success in this, and lo and behold, eight years later, here I am again to answer the question that yes, yes, you have. Yeah. Yeah. It's rare. I mean, to your listeners, I mean, you guys are, I can count on one hand, one of the podcasts that 
you know people mention and go to and is you know nationally renowned so uh oh thank you yourselves on the back that's man. pretty it's cool a, that's, that's nice a great to hear. it's a great achievement uh, that's yeah, nice to hear yeah. you know from eight years to now we actually we haven't moved <laughs> i'm still in the right. same seat we've been waiting we've been waiting for this moment well, for bail to we, come to the united states <laughs> so we could talk to we you could do a power we could do an american soccer power rankings I, I know we have to put men in blazers first because yeah. they are just uh a behemoth do we and a juggernaut and it's a great <laughs> <laughs> yes we have to yes and then uh you guys will be in the, in the when we start talking two through five two seven yeah i don't know oh, maybe two i don't know listen that's very nice listen that's very nice. if we can make in this power rankings table if we can make europa conference league we're just happy with that yep that's yeah. right. We're playing for That's six. Good. We're yeah. playing for six. You're 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 profiting as a club. You're in the black. <laughs> uh, let, let's talk about bail. That's what we were discussing before you popped on, and um, you know we were just saying that for us, I don't know. Maybe there will be some who are skeptical of this because of what bail's priorities might be. But I don't know. JJ and I were talking. We we think this works. I mean, where where are you at with this move? I, I'm a hundred percent in belief that it works at least at the beginning, because it's a World Cup year. So uh, he, he's going to be here for a year and a half. I know his contract goes to the summer of, of 2023, but I, I just don't see him jettisoning and going. I, I know from the experience that these players have here that he he's going to want to extend it. Um, and based on what he enjoys, you know, it's, it's, it's big, we've, I think we've beaten it to death about the his love for golf and how he may have fallen out of love of the game but he wouldn't come here if that was the case you know there's uh this is uh you know they, they, he's he's taking a huge pay cut this is something that i uh, speaking to the folks uh john thorrington which we've, we've had an incredible week at the club and for me personally it's just so exciting because we have you know press conferences with Chiellini and garrett bale and we're getting requests from you guys and places all over the planet and it's uh, it's never been like this. So just for me personally, it, it's it's exciting. But um, this is an exciting club to to be part of. And and John Thornton would say it when he talks to guys. They go, "Wait, that's my next club, top European stars." But this this all fit into place for uh, it to work. If Wales didn't make the World Cup, maybe he doesn't come. If you know, if things were a little different. Um, you know, a couple little elements. Maybe if Chiellini doesn't come, I don't know. Maybe mm. that's not all in the books. But uh, it, it fell perfectly. And I know from the first half of this contract, it has to be good because this is uh, a man preparing for his, his probably his only World Cup and his country's first World Cup in what, 65, 66 years, 64 years. And it's a huge responsibility. And I know he's going to take it seriously because he takes it seriously. When he's with Wales, and we just talk about the Welsh part before you even talk about the Real Madrid. Um, and you know, Real Madrid. Well, we'll get to that later. But just the Welsh part. Uh, he's also playing in the country, and he'll face players that he'll be facing in the World Cup. So it's really a great intel opportunity for him to just squeeze every drop out of this. And I think once he gets a taste of it, it's good that the first part is where he wants to get invested. I think it'll help um, get him excited for the second part because it's a uh, it's good living and. Uh, you know everything we know about guys i don't know him that well uh i just read about him but what he enjoys i mean i think it, it fits well that he'll enjoy this lifestyle yeah and he'll uh we, we, we know for a fact now joining lafc he'll finally have to learn spanish <laughs> <laughs> we'll see not necessarily but uh it's it, it, it's helpful and look yeah his it'll help his team because i mean we have 
Carlos Vela, who's, I, I spoke to him today. He's perfect English. And um, you have the three Colombians and the two Ecuadorians. So it's a very cosmopolitan sure. team of the Americas. Uh, and uh, it's a, uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I, to me, it's, it's to, he, I think he's excited about this new challenge and something that may have not been on his radar a few months ago. And all of a sudden it's there. He goes, let's grab this with both hands. Let's prove some people wrong. Let's change perceptions. Let's be happy and play f- football. So it's all there for him. And it's it's not a high-pressure situation, I think, from LAFC because they're doing so well. Um, he'd be a luxury player to start off with, and maybe he becomes this featured star before too long. But it's not like, save us, help us. Right. It's, uh, it's a good balance. Max, I've... Um... If we've learned anything about LAFC, their independent supporters union, the 3252, are very much independent. And and those guys are the heart and soul of the club. Have you got any sense from them how they're welcoming in uh, Gareth Bale or or how they feel about the signing? Uh, The ones I've spoken to are thrilled. I I did a little laugh around the stadium on Sunday when they played the Red Bulls. Mm. And it's palpable. This is something they have been waiting for they know the significance of it. Gareth Bale, when he did the cap tilt, uh, basically announcing that he was coming to LAFC, his one message was to the supporters, specifically the 3252 in the North End, and how excited he is to be playing in front of them. So that, you know, uh, that's just a brilliant move. I don't know if that was his decision. Probably got some PR there as well, but I would like to think it was his decision. And he said it because it was smart. And it is, I think that's part of it. They're aware of the culture and the atmosphere and what a fun place to be because you know, there's not any complaints. I mean, not everyone's been thrilled about being LAFC. I, I know that. And that's the same with any team. But when the team times are well, and right now this team under this coach, there it is a, it's a great atmosphere to be around. There is a lot of positivity. And I know things can go sideways in, a, in an instant, but uh, it's uh, – there, it's just an, it's a joy to cover, and and these are the two pieces I think that they were waiting for, and now they still have a potential addition to go. So it's it feels very super clubby. Yeah. Everyone wants to be part of that, especially if you were here from the beginning. Well, winning helps with morale, and they're certainly doing a lot of that right now. the The question I had that we were kind of batting back and forth before you popped on here was, you know, it's early to know this now, maybe, but in terms of how bail is going to be used. Uh, what do you think? Are you expecting, you know, week in, week out, there he is? Or do you think that they're going to manage his minutes a little bit more tightly, you know, every other week, maybe a super sub kind of role? Do you get any sense of how he's going to be utilized? Well, I know just going back to Chiellini, who arrives in L.A. tomorrow, uh, he was specific in saying, I'm not here to take anyone's job. I'm here to help the team. And, you know, that could be some kind of lip service. Yeah. But the success of the team allows them to bring these guys along slowly. I think their first eligible game is July the 8th against the Galaxy. My feeling is they either don't – they dress and they sit on the bench and between them maybe get 15 minutes, if that, depending on how the game is going. I don't think they play much. I, I think the, the games after that, they'll start getting immersed into it. And I would almost say by the third, maybe fourth or fifth game, let's say the third or fourth game, they'll start. I really believe that that's going to be that kind of process getting them into it. Uh, and then they'll take it from there, and then they'll find the right pairings. I, I would imagine the belief is these guys are coming into play, and the anticipation is that Chiellini and Bale will be starters. But let's uh, let's see how our guys respond as well. And I think it's hard to imagine how Chiellini and Bale will 
will, uh, I think they'll be on board for a bit, but seeing how it goes, it may challenge them. But uh, as it is now, it would be, it'd be naive to think we don't see the business end of this season and those guys aren't playing from the beginning in important minutes. But I think it's going to be a very uh, casual, uh, somewhat uh, pointed kind of build up to when they start becoming more featured players. But in the end, uh, certainly for Bale, he wants to get, to get minutes in important games to prepare himself for the World Cup. Max, you made the point that this is not a team that's uh, broken or in need of a lift. This is a team that's flying at the moment. Um, so do you worry about bringing in, uh, I was going to say, a new shark into the tank? Uh, but yeah, I, you know, Do you know what I mean? Like, w- Is there a potential that this upsets the chemistry a bit? Well, we've all played sports, and if it was me, I would be. <laughs> if I was like in the situation where I was getting some minutes taken away I'm like oh man yeah. we're doing well what, what's going but you know everything I've heard is when they announced these two players everyone lit up and I haven't seen an unhappy camper not everyone started all the games you know there's guys that you figure would have started have a claim for every every weekend weekend wake out start and they're not getting it with the exception of maybe Carlos Vela but all the other guys have kind of platooned in these positions it, it's uh I don't see it I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen it more. Have you seen a guy going, hey, maybe leak a, a quote to some media member about this stinks. It's just not, it's not there. So uh, maybe the brevity of the contracts uh, will inspire them because I know that these younger players have to be thrilled to have that experience, however short or long it is. So Brian Rodriguez, who is a, a wide player, can learn from Gareth Bale. That is invaluable. Uh, Mamadou Fall, 19-year-old center back with all the potential, could learn from Giorgio Chiellini. Uh, they've sold them on that. Uh, or I don't know if they sold them on it or they just said, this is great because I get to it, learn from these guys. But that's a big factor in this. And it's a very young team before the arrival of these two players as well as um, Ilya Sanchez and Max Crapo, some uh, experienced players they brought in early on in the season. But that this was a very young team, and I think they're all willing and eager to soak up knowledge. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because along with the bail news, the, the news of Carlos Vela extending his contract, I mean, incredible for that to be flying under the radar. That's obviously a huge story unto itself. Coincidence that these things both happened together? Or do you think Vela kind of saw bail coming in and just thought, I, I can't pass up this opportunity. This is, a, this is truly a win-now team. I've got I've to capture this moment. It's a coincidence. I think they were working on this a long time, and then it finally just hit... Uh, really, they're at the tape. They had to do this in a week or so, and I think it was certainly in the works. Uh, I don't know why. It was, a, it was a little bit unnerving for us when we were watching it, and it hasn't been solidified. I know those supporters, when we talked to them, they were always bringing it up. What's going on with Carlos? Uh, maybe I, I couldn't say with 100% conviction that these two guys didn't accelerate it. Maybe they did, but I think it was always going to be in the case. He's really happy here. When you talk to him, he wanted to be here. It was just working out those things that sometimes are out of the player's hands or the club's hands where the agent says, we got to get this before we go in. I think it was just kind of the final touches with that. And um, he's really comfortable here. I I know moving stinks. And I know this talk about going to Mexico. I never thought that was in the works. There was a chatter about going to Spain, which is where his wife is from. So that maybe they can raise the, the two very young kids there. But this is, this is hard to, I mean, if you're comfortable, enjoy it. You know, why change a good thing? So 
and I always was pretty confident he was going to end up there. And I do think they were uh, um, mutually exclusive uh, in the way they happened, but they all happened quick. I think uh, the uh, the Chiellini move I can say was um, maybe a couple of years they first ad- uh, approached him about coming here, mm-hmm. and then when they didn't qualify for the World Cup, the Italians, it was like, okay, we can do it. So it kind of it was that moment there where they could do it, and. It was possible with Gareth Bale. It really was not on the radar. So I don't know if you want to connect. I can't really connect it to Carlos Vela. But when they made the World Cup and that opportunity where he needed a little few months to kick in, coming to an LAFC made sense. And if those two things don't happen, and I spoke to John Thorrington about this today, he goes, it's a very good chance neither of these players are here. If Italy made the World Cup and Wales did not. Max, just on the on the bigger picture, I suppose. Do you or what do you say to the the naysayers who say, you know, this is a this is a retrograde move for MLS. We should be continuing to move away from aging players or players coming from Europe with big reputations. We should be looking at con- consistently looking at South America and looking at other leagues to get young players in. What do you say to people who say, ah, this is this is not a step forward? Well, I, I would say these are very low impact moves to the big picture of this club and how they do their business. Right. These are not valuable designated players, designated players uh, that would um, obviously require a huge commitment financially and tenure wise. So, you know, I'm not saying whatever the numbers have been bouncing around like close to 2 million, that that's a small total, but for Gareth Bale and Georgia Chiellini, it is. And the short-term part of it as well shows you that this team, which is one of the champions of developing young players, uh, Diego Rossi, um, Eduardo Tuesta, now Brian Rodriguez, Chiqui Palacios, Jose Cifuentes, they've, they've done that and they've been successful at it. Yeah. And now they, are, they have the luxury of doing this and it makes sense here because being young was one of the drawbacks of this club and they've gotten more experience before these two signings and this kind of puts them over the top. So it's a... It's not a huge commitment where you're going to be with this player for five years at six, seven million dollars where it can handcuff a a club. It's it's very agreeable. It's very club friendly. So uh, I'd say enjoy it because there really isn't a drawback unless Bale and Vela just have a a hissy fit and just can't stand each other playing, which isn't going to happen. No. And and the other thing, too, (laughs) the other thing, too, Max, is that I think, you know, MLS fans sometimes get touchy about this, but like. This is not a PR stunt. You know, LAFC are not hurting for attendance. They're certainly winning. Like, this to me is just a pure win-now move. These guys, like you said, are guys that could help put them over the top. And uh, I don't know. I I, I just think it makes sense. I think it's going to be good. Gareth Bale is a great fit for this team, uh, the way he plays. I know when they play with Wales, it's kind of him and James are like the two front runners. They're a little... You know, they don't they don't have the ball a lot. They are looking for the counterattack, but he'll get more possession here. But he, he makes sense playing with the guys he'll be playing with. And I don't know when 33 or 32 became old. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires, so he's going to be fresh. This is, uh, I mean, this could be an explosive. Uh, I mean, everyone's tempering their expectations, including me, but this could just be something spectacular because he is a young player. And he's been pretty clear of injuries and playing. You always want to play more often, but he still is the guy who was at one point the most expensive player in the world. So, uh, it, I mean, these guys can play till 35, 36, 37. Uh, Chiellini, I think you can discuss that a little bit because he's up there, but I think there's less of a commitment in that sense 
where it could be a little bit more off the field where he could be a great ambassador and help with these players, but he's going to help out as well. He's going to play, but you know, Bale still has a pretty high ceiling. Certainly does. If, he, if he's still committed and interested in playing, which from what I'm hearing, he certainly is. Well, there's the AT&T Pro-Am at Pebble, what is it? Pebble Hill Golf Course. So, Pebble Beach. Uh, Pebble, Pebble Beach. Beach. You're, not, I, I, you're not familiar with like the most famous golf course on earth. I don't watch golf. It's not for me. Wait, is that? But that there's the one in uh, there's the one in Palisades, which I skates where they play the and there's the Genesis and Palos Verdes, which is the, the old Trump course, I believe. Okay. Uh, I don't play that much, but the, is it Pebble Beach? I think it's in Northern California. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but that's not far, and there's good stuff in San Diego. Yeah, Torrey Pines, uh, right? Isn't that in San but, Diego? Yeah. yeah. Listen, what I say to people, that I, look, I, I don't, do you guys play golf? No. No, not at all. Only no. mini. I play, I play a little bit, but there are people that are, I play 36 holes. I go, are you insane? Do you hate your family? But I mean, <laughs> I don't want to be, I mean, there are worse things to be, you know, driven by than that. And, you know, he's, what if he enjoys eating three buckets of KFC a day? Mate, what if that was his passion or partying till five in the morning at clubs? Yeah. By all accounts, he, keep, he he's he's a vegetarian, right? He keeps himself. He's yes, like very he health conscious. He's, in, so, he's yeah. really does not does not drink. He's in really good shape. He's, uh, he's really focused, and he's had the good life. And now I think we rekindle those competitive uh, fires. Yeah. Uh, so last thing for you, Max. So last week on this show, uh, somehow it came up where a listener kind of asked us a random question about what's a what's a thing from like the past in soccer that doesn't really exist anymore but that we miss and that soccer fans of today newer fans of today they wouldn't get it yeah and so the thing that i was thinking about and thinking about it and the thing i settled on was fox soccer channel and how amazing it was and you know so i mentioned it last week and in the the time since we've kind of been almost inundated (laughs) with people emailing the show and, and tweeting into the show talking about just the incredible impact that that channel had on them as sort of an up-and-coming soccer fan in this country and i'm just curious now because you were one of the faces of that channel and i just wonder uh if you're even aware of just like the uh, the amazing impact that it had on a generation of american soccer fans that soccer was just always on no matter what you know it, there was always something cool on that channel uh and and like i said you were one of the faces of it do you still hear from people about those years well this certainly reinforces it but and andrew to answer your question when i was doing those games and we covered you know i would i would call six games from five leagues on a saturday (laughs) i mean it was i I can't even believe it because now nothing's under the same roof anymore but uh it was um and i i would call these games i go i think to myself nobody's listening no one has this cable no one's listening and i would sit there and i go i'm just gonna go to the maybe i'll just walk down here and get a cold glass of water and walk away for the game for a few minutes <laughs> i come back and we had a skeleton crew and like yeah no one's listening and then years later uh, people would come up and they would have this you'd see someone across the way go oh ah! i go uh-oh what's going on here I, go, I used to listen to the channel all the time and it's it wasn't an isolated incident and hearing this from you just further emphasized that a lot of people watch that more than we could have ever imagined. I swear we thought we were like a niche channel that on any broadcast, maybe, we had the Premier League and it, we, we do raps. So we knew we had a bigger audience for that. But if we were doing a Bundesliga game or a City I game, I figured we had an audience in the hundreds. Maybe 300 people were listening. That's what I thought. It's not the case. 
Well, and some of those things have continued on, and uh, it's it, it blows me away because I'm so blessed that I was able to kind of start my career there and get a uh, – because it was really the only show in town, certainly on the English side. Um, I was there because I worked on uh, in an administrative position on the Spanish language side, and then that came up. And uh, it was just an incredible education for someone like me because I was still learning the game. You know, I was, I was just drawn in. I go, I want to know everything. And they gave me everything. So uh, I appreciate you guys bringing that up. But uh, I miss those days. And there's nothing better than calling a match, uh, even off a monitor. <laughs> there is there's a, there is a, there is a liberation to it. You close the door. You're there sometimes by yourself, someone else. You can have your sandals on and shorts. You, yeah, you could have just re- very relaxed, just sitting there and then just get going and then Tell stories. I, th- I, I think you're even the way you're talking there, you're understating what it meant to people because we've, like Andrew said, we've got so many messages since Andrew said, that is the one, that is the thing I'd bring back. And, and a lot of the, I guess a lot of the people who have contacted us have kind of said to what you said, nothing's under the same umbrella anymore. It's all spread out. They have to go everywhere to get what they want. And Fox Soccer gave you, Pretty Fox Soccer Channel gave you everything under one one umbrella, like you said. And yeah. I, honestly, the way they were talking, Max, was they kind of want to bring it back. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, the problem is the dollar signs attached to it. Right. But, uh, we uh, if, if people only knew, and I maybe I'll do. I'll bring back because I keep in touch with a lot of producers, the folks that I work with, and I mean, just to give you an idea, the Premier League rights when we had them maybe around year 2000, 99, 2000, it was a million dollars a year. Oh my now God. It's, what? 400, say like $300 million. And that's a short, and so we're talking about 20 years mm-hmm. and even less than ago, it was like 250 million, like 10 years ago when the Premier League first went to NBC. So the, the incredible rise, all the other leagues pretty much gave us their rights for free. So the city hour, uh, Nick Gieber, who did the Fox phone-in show, he had the Premier League radio rights that he never used. He just owned them because <laughs> oh they were free. <laughs> they were free. Seriously. So, uh, these, I mean, sometimes the leagues would get some money, but they go, look, oh. you're, no one's seeing you in English, so we're putting you on here. And eventually, and look, I, we, could, we, we could talk about um, what was the stimulus from that, but I, I could tell you wholeheartedly the fact that they were on that channel and people were being exposed the way you were seeing is why we saw those massive leaps because it had to start somewhere. And then people saw, uh, smarter people than me saw that this was getting through to some parts of the American public and it's a valuable asset. And now look at it. Yep. It certainly did. It resonated in a big way. Max, this yeah. was awesome. We'll be watching, of course, on LAFC, the voice of LAFC, your podcast as well, Soccer OG Podcast. Tell, uh, tell the people where they can check that out. Soccer OG podcast available where all podcasts are available. Also have my Soccer OG on YouTube. It's under my name, Max. But I thought I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Something that I call my own. I'll have a Tom Bogert tomorrow. I'll have a podcast that we'll talk about this bail and breaking it. And by the way, what was crazy about it is that no, this was they, they knew it. They kept this secret for about a week. Hmm. No, but there was no leaks. No, there was no there was no rumors of bail to LFC when it happened. Um, when we all saw it, it was when it happened for the first time. It was nobody saw it coming. It was crazy. And props to but I Tom. Appreciate, yeah, props to Tom. Yeah, who, who Tom got that. it in there. Yeah. If he didn't break it that day, it would have been broken on the LAFC social media handle, which never happens. No, not especially anymore. in this era of, of Fabrizio Romano and David Ornstein and Tom Bogart. It's hard, and they almost hit the tape. So wow. it's pretty cool. 
Oh, good stuff, man. We look forward to uh, to checking that out. Max Bretos, thanks so much, man. We'll speak again soon. You guys are the best, man. What a, what a, what a wonderful time to spend uh, some minutes with you here talking about the beautiful game. Andrew, JJ, best of luck with everything you guys do. Thank you, brother. Let's not leave it eight years. <laughs> Don't. That's on you. <laughs> yeah, Call me. I'm, a, I'm around. That is, that is on us. Oh Good stuff, God. man. Yeah. Thanks again. <laughs> Max Bretos, that was fun. That was great. It's great to Fun talk conversation. To yeah, Fox Soccer Channel, man. I couldn't believe I mean, because I said it last week, and like the tweets yeah. and the and people really I'm not surprised. I um, it was but, the it was the gateway for a lot of people to get into the game. Huge. Um sounded like it was the gateway for Max too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um last bit on bail, uh, to close out this this section of the podcast. Obviously, a huge part of this is the last, you know, generation of his career in Real Madrid. And one of the most complicated legacies, like we've been talking about this for years now, you know, building up to the moment when he was one day going to leave, because really, I'd say for the last four years or so, there's been a point every summer where it's debated as to whether or not he was going to stick around. Is his time there done? We're finally here now. It's over. It's truly over. So the legacy conversation can officially happen. 258 games at Real Madrid, 106 goals, 67 assists, five Champions Leagues, three La Liga titles, a Copa del Rey. I mean, the author of some of the greatest moments in the history of one of the most storied clubs on earth, Mm. this guy. So, like, why does it still seem like, though, he gives off this pariah vibe around that place? Because the last few years were absolutely damaging to him. Um there was moments, even in, you look at the, the 20, so we're going back four years. In the lead up to the 2018 Champions League final where he comes off the bench and scores a bicycle kick, one of the all-time iconic moments in, in finals history, or in recent finals history, he didn't know whether he'd even feature in that game. He was a bit part player for Madrid as long ago as four years ago. So there's there's like the two parts to it. There's like that his early entry into the club where... We saw him kind of supercharge or help to supercharge that Real Madrid team that became dominant in the Champions League. And then pretty much from 2017, 2018 onward, it's fading fortunes. It was weird. It was it was a difficulty with staying fit. It was falling out with Zidane. It was then falling out with the supporters and making public comments about them, about when he played and being, you know him being whistled and he, di- he didn't understand it then there was always there just behind the scenes was his I won't say inability I won't say unwillingness the fact that he didn't mesh with the culture he didn't learn Spanish it's a huge part of it he didn't seem to be part of that team ethic and it was so weird to see him trooping up to get a medal for like I mean a couple of those those last two three Champions League maybe two Champions League medals they can't mean that much to him because he wasn't that huge a part of that. Um, and it was a confluence of things, I think, just like I've listed there. It wasn't one thing. It wasn't just the injuries. It was a whole confluence of things together. Um, Jack Pitt Brook wrote about him and he wrote about all the big moments because he said he was a big moment player. Mm-hmm. And he, wrote, he he listed all of the huge moments for Wales and for Real Madrid and for Tottenham. This is... When he enumerated them, Andrew, he's had an amazing career and an amazing amount of, of like I said, big moments. Uh, but this is how Jack writes this paragraph, which kind of sums up the, the other side. But there seems to be something else on the other side of the scale here. 
perhaps it is an argument about consistency and reliability. Bale has always been an ultimate moments man, someone who can rise to the occasion when his team needed him. But there is another side to being a great player, that is being ready and able to play week in, week out for a long period of time. And the reality of the second half of Bale's career is that he fell away from being an important or even valued player for Real Madrid. So they could function without this great talent because this great talent wasn't available a lot of the time. Yeah. So he, the other side is as well, apart from the loan move to Tottenham, Andrew, there is a sense among some supporters that like, you're staying at Real Madrid to pick up this enormous check. Have you no personal pride? And I think there's two sides to that. There's the side, yeah, your career is short. You should be maximising your talents somewhere else. And the other side is, Real Madrid owed him that money. It's not, he can't force himself into the first 11. True, that's true. But there were things, I mean, it's interesting because I think everything you touched on there is is part of what makes up this full picture of how he's going to be remembered there. I saw um, Football 365 did a feature literally on this, on his weird legacy. I think mm. it was like four weeks ago. Google it. Uh, Harry D. Casemo wrote it for them. And Brilliant. so he starts Brilliant. He starts it by saying this. He, he kind of helps put Bale's time in Madrid in context by saying, with more goals than the Brazilian Ronaldo, more assists than David Beckham, and the responsibility of numerous vital contributions towards major titles, Bale should be getting carried out of the Santiago Bernabeu on a pedestal. But despite the thawing of their relationship in its final moments, you'd be hard-pressed to find many supporters who would consider him for a place in any all-time Madrid 11s, or even one made up of the best players from the 21st century. It's weird. I mean, I went through his credentials. 106 goals, 67 assists, five Champions Leagues, and a big part of three of them, I think you'd have to say. But, like, the other side of it, it's a real thing. You know, in this peach, in this feature, it's a story we've talked about before, but, like, the story that Thibaut Courtois told when the whole team went out for a late-night meal, as is customary in Madrid, and only two players didn't go. It was Bale and it was Tony Cruz. Um, and for Bale, he said, it's too late, uh, I can't go. I think, you know, that story went out into the press. Thibaut Courtois told that story. There was already the background of him not speaking Spanish. Is this guy really one of us? And I think that story for a lot of people sort of crystallized, no, he's not. And so, you know, that combined, you know, I think the money is a big part of it. It almost condemned him in the beginning before he even had a chance to kick the ball. That like on that price tag, like if we're gonna if we're gonna shell out that kind of money, if we're gonna set records with what it's gonna take to bring you here, you've got to be great which for a lot of his time there he was, but that's not enough. You have to also be one of us. Like there was, You had to do it on the field and off the field yeah. for that price tag to have matched the player that they got. And you know he did it for a while on the field, but he never, it never got to that level off the field. It's funny, JJ, because a lot of times when I, when I see this stuff about Bale and the way Madrid fans never really saw him as one of them, you know, I think a lot about in the city where I'm from, Philadelphia. And it's almost become like a joke, but like this term, is he a Philly guy? Like there, are, you'll get players who come through Philly that aren't good, but if they say the right things and they just like work their ass off, like oh he's a Philly guy, we love that guy, he gets cheered for the rest of his party life now. on South Street, eat cheesesteak. But you get guys who were like gifted with all world ability, but like maybe they didn't just they didn't show the effort or just like they didn't click with the fans in the right way, and so like they're kind of pariahs. And it's, I feel like that you, you see a similar thing with Bale in Madrid. It's a real thing in sports, um, and I've seen it at home in in 
in numerous clubs where there's a guy and I just look back and I think he wasn't even that good but like you said he seemed to embody or at least appear to embody the traits that the supporters like to see and therefore he gets a pass right um and he never did that also it was there were times when okay they were winning in Europe but they were maybe not going so well in in the Spanish league in La Liga mm. and you'd see Gareth Bale lean into the Wales Golf Madrid kind of thing right. you know he never shied away from that in 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 the moment where he should have kind of maybe just said we'll put that banner away he's actually got the flag right Wales have done something and he's he's there Wales Golf Madrid in that order and that splashed across the front page of Marca <laughs> it it would it would rub me the wrong way. Like I want to like there's and part of me that wants to be much. like, oh, these Madrid fans can't they appreciate what he had? It would affect me if I saw a guy on my team kind of like almost laughing off the idea that my team is is like the most important thing. Then, huh? What? No. How have we got this far without actually playing the bail laugh? <laughs> <laughs> that little mischievous Gareth. Yeah, that was from Euro 2016. <laughs> Yeah, but he's he was a brilliant player for them. So just so many big moments that he was at the center of. Yeah. Fascinating. It's a shame he didn't go out playing in Europe. This is assuming that he doesn't go back to Europe again, but it you would have liked to see him play. You know, finish yeah. a season. I mean, he had a few moments with Tottenham in his loan move last season in front of no uh, one. But yeah, unfortunately, and he and he's still beloved there. Uh, he would have gotten, you know, Huge ovations as you know entering those games, but yeah, empty stadiums. That that's a that was a bummer. Um, but yeah, fascinating time for him at Real Madrid, and now we get to see him here in MLS with LAFC. Our thanks again to Max Bretos. Let's go ahead. Let's take a a quick break, JJ. When we come back on the other side, a couple transfer things. We're going to go through one rumor that we like, and then we'll talk about. Um, well, we'll see what moves have have become official. I'll have to go back through my my dossier here. <laughs> And see what's, Folks, what's done. He has a dossier. It's uh, it's a ring binder. Mm-hmm. He picked it up. He blew dust off it. It's called Andrew's Transfer Cache. My transfer trapper keeper. Yeah. We'll go ahead, take a break. More caught offside still to come. Oh, back now on caught offside. All right. All right. Here we go. We're entering the treacherous world of transfer rumors, JJ. You've called it a mosh pit on the rundown. It is, because it's that kind of chaos. You been in a mosh pit lately? Only every day of my life. When's the last time you... I've never been in a a real mosh pit? Yeah. I've never been in a real one. Have you? About 20 years ago. Last one I was Who was it? Who were you seeing? Uh, Green Day, I think it was. That was a real mosh pit? I'm thinking more like... Before before pre-American Idiot, so before they were a pop group. When they actually, had- they were Dookie was pop. That was a that was on every radio station in America. I think it was. I think it was harder edge than that. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. Maybe I mean, in Ireland it was a little more. Oh, have you heard about I'm, this American group? I remember uh, a mosh pit breaking out for Placebo. That was pretty pretty good. I've never been in a real one. And you're you're thinking in terms of like. Pantera oh, yeah. or Sepultura or one of those. Exactly like that. Right, okay. No, I've never been in anything as violent as that. That doesn't look enjoyable. That's Well, that's where we're headed right now. The transfer mosh pit. <laughs> yeah, that, the, into the transfer <laughs> mosh pit. So there's the rumors are flying like crazy. All of you listening to this. You, you the sweat, check, the hair. Right. You're, you're all on Twitter. You've seen all the rumors and everything, and it's, just, it's coming a mile a minute. So I'm just going to slow it down a little bit, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hone in on one. You've got one as well. One yeah. rumor that we've seen. By the time you're listening, I don't know. Maybe it's even gone 
official. Uh-huh. Um, my one won't. Okay. I'm pretty sure my one won't. Well, here's mine. Calvin Phillips and Manchester City. Uh, I mean, that's nearly done, right? I think. Can I, I check transfer market? Go check yeah, transfer market. <laughs> it's, it's a hard word to say. Check that while I kind of talk about why I like this. Because I know there's going to be skepticism here over concern of his playing time. Like, is this going to be another Jack Reeler situation? Where Fabian Delph. Where, yeah, where a guy goes there and it's just like, no, you, you have to wait your turn. You've got to learn how to do this. By the way, we also have a player who is already doing this um, at that position. So... Like, I guess I I guess I understand all that, but I don't know. It's this is going to be a weird disjointed season coming up with the World Cup break in the middle of it. Um, so I just feel like a club like Man City, who's going to expect to win everything that they're a part of, they're going to need once again a big squad. Fernandinho is gone, so another defensive midfielder. It's not a luxury buy for them. It's really a necessity buy. They can't just have Rodri. There's got to be someone else. Um, and by the way, Fernandinho, even last year when Rodri was clearly the guy and Fernandinho was on his way out, he still appeared in 33 matches last season in all competitions. So that's a lot. Now, yes, yeah, some of those were elsewhere. City's back line, like he, he kind of became a Swiss Army knife in that way. And, and I'm not saying Calvin Phillips is going to do that, but it's enough to show you that there are valuable minutes out there that will need filling at some point. And a player of Calvin Phillips's quality is going to step in as a second option and he's going to give you first option production. I really think that. Sky Sports, JJ, they broke down a comparison of Rodri and Phillips's per 90 stats. Uh, since the 2020-2021 season. Okay. Phillips leads Rodri. Now, I know different teams, different styles, but still, Phillips leads Rodri by sizable margins, I would say, in tackles, interceptions, possession turnovers, uh, take-ons attempted, and forward passing percentage. Um, so maybe his minutes, Phillips's minutes, will suffer a little bit. Maybe we'll have moments where we kind of question, if did he make the right move? Should he have gone to a club where he was going to be a 90-minute-a-game guy every week? But in terms of sacrificing personal stats for team success. I think Phillips is going to play a vital role, should this happen, should this become official, in getting City to where they want to be. I still think that he's an important piece for them, not just some guy who's going to sit on the bench and collect dust. Transfer Mark have this one at 80%. Oh, all right. Yeah. So this is valuable intel. Yeah. I just think, personally for me, uh, I think Lee's are getting a a good deal out of this if they reinvest it correctly. Yeah. I'm not convinced Phillips is the player, uh, is the finished product or even close to it right now. But it, and at 26, that is saying something. But if he is going to be the finished product, going to Pep Guardiola is a good place to go. Uh, I would say he needs to be better in possession of the football, he needs to be better on the ball. Um, and if that's going to happen anywhere, it's going to happen at Manchester City. May I do a rumor? Yeah, one that you like? One that I really like. Okay. Oh, buddy. Oh, do I like this. Uh, and it's a rumor based off one Brazilian TV presenter. So maybe I should, you know, cool your jets there, Is buddy. Is there any validity to what you're about to say here? Be quiet. I'm going to check it up in a second using the transfer market uh, percentage arrow. Uh, Marcus Leonardo Santos to Liverpool. Um, we have Brazilian TV presenter Milton Nieves to thank for this one. Uh, here's what he had to say after Santos drew with Corinthians on Sunday. Corinthians yesterday escaped being defeated by the Santos kids. Marcus Leonardo, who's going to Liverpool, this guy is the new Romario. Um, 94 games. He's only, he's only 19, 18, 19. 94 games, uh, or 94 appearances for Santos. 25 goals, 4 assists. That's uh, pretty impressive. And to compare him 
to one of the all-time greats, the new Romario. Now, in Brazilian football, whenever a kid comes along, he used to be the new Pelé, and then he'd be the new Ronaldo, and then he'd be the new Romario. So I might be on my fourth or fifth new Romario. Okay. But this one just has absolutely got me excited. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it is just a, it's just a strong rumour that was being reported in a lot of places, but every place that I read, it came back to Milton Nieves. So, well, who knows? I, I don't know. Maybe he knows something. Can I throw in another one quickly, uh, just to balance things out here? Uh, Tyrell Mach- Malchia, Feyenoord to Manchester United. Now, today this looked like it was nearly done. Um, the Athletic are saying it's believed the proposed deal would see United pay guaranteed 15 million with 2 million add-ons. That's 17 million euros, like 20 million dollars. That's nothing. Mm. Leon had been negotiated for uh, Malachia and indicated they were pre- prepared to pay 30 million up front, 2 million. But United have come in, uh, left back. United seem covered there, but clearly Ten Hag wants uh, different options, wants his, uh, dare I say it, his own men in there. Um, maybe to usurp Luke Shaw, who knows? But I thought it was very interesting. Uh, Feyenoord director Frank Arneson. Yes, Frank Arneson, formerly of Chelsea, formerly of Tottenham. Uh, the agreement with Man United is there. We are now waiting for Terrell. Uh, if he says yes, then a transfer to Manchester United is imminent. Uh, he was a first-team regular at Feyenoord during the 2021-22 campaign. 50 appearances, all competitions. General consensus among those who have seen much more of him than I. Very, very good player. There you have it. So many rumors. I mean, I, I just pulled up the page here of, you know, is Neymar no longer wanted at PSG? That's from the Daily Mail. Obviously, the Frankie de Jong thing that we mentioned briefly earlier is gaining steam. There's some reports that it's 90% complete, that they've actually agreed to terms, but it's now personal terms. Uh, but there's the weird side of that, that, you know, there's some talk about Frankie de Jong not really having wanted to leave Barcelona, but Barcelona need money. Uh, so somebody's somebody's going to have to go, and it well, might wind up being him for and, a, for a hefty sum. And he could be a great signing for United to put to plug into that midfield, uh, especially under Ten Hag. It's kind of something they really probably want to get over the line. And also United, yeah. just for the well, fan, they've made him their top priority. Just for the fan base alone, you know. Um, one thing, a lot of journalists struggling this time of year. If it's not transfer rumors, what else are you writing about? No. Wait for this doozy in the Manchester Evening News. This is about Ten Hag and United are back training. Some of the first team are back. If the bibs came out on the first day of preseason at Carrington, bibs are pennies, mm-hmm. on Monday, then let's hope the Manchester United players paid attention to putting them away again. This was the first day of the Eric Ten Hag era at United and the first chance for the Dutchman to introduce himself to his new players or some of them at least. And I'm like, okay, what's the relevance of the bibs? It goes on when Ten Hag was at the go-ahead Eagles, his first professional club. Ten Hag was considered a bold appointment for a club then in the second division in Holland, but he made his mark immediately. As the players trudged off after the first training session, they were giving a dressing down by Ten Hag, unhappy that the bibs had been left in one big pile when he wanted them organised into piles by their colour, blue, yellow and orange. Jesus. Uh, Here we go. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) That is just... Padding an article out. Nothing happened at, tra- at Manchester United training. Ten Hag was there with first team players that you don't really care about because the others were on vacation and we had to get some kind of padding. Bibs. Bib talk. Jesus. They'll take it and run with it. Oh, anything. Anything right now. 
Very interesting. Uh, in terms of moves that are done, I mean, Gabriel Jesus is the big one uh, to Arsenal. We did talk about that, I think, a decent amount last week when it was nearly complete. Um, so I don't know if I have anything new to say about I, it. I don't think I've anything new to say except that you presume that they've figured out, hey, where is he going to play? We want you to play centrally or we want you to play a little bit wider. Um, big thing for you, uh, Arsenal fans now is if they can sign Rafinha, although it looks as if Chelsea may have torpedoed that one, um, Rafinha seemed to be a big part of like being able to say, successful window, Rafinha and Gabriel Jesus. Well, Rafinha and Chelsea right now appear to be what's destiny. So I would put that on the back burner. But like we said, this is all happening. This is all happening very, very quickly. There can be no way of knowing. No one knows anything right now. Uh, one final one that I want to mention here uh, with regards to the U.S. Zach Steffen appears close, quote unquote, close uh, to a loan move to Middlesbrough in the championship. Yeah, uh, met with mixed reaction from the U.S. Uh, section of support. I think it's a good move. He needs minutes he wherever it is. Play. It's a good level. Um, and I, I I, think he... I, I just don't see a problem with it. Okay, Middlesbrough are a team that were just outside the playoff spots last season. You know, Chris Wilder, the manager. What do people want? Like Bearhalter has such a... This is going to be a really difficult choice. I, I don't think it will be for him. I think he prefers Stefan. Stefan gets the minute. Yeah. Turner doesn't play for Arsenal enough. Unless... So what if, what if Stefan is just fine? Like, he's not bad, he's not good. He's, let's say he's fine at Borough, but he's playing all the time. Turner isn't playing regular minutes, but, but in, has great but in game. Cup, in like Carabao Cup appearances, he's really good. Like, how do you balance the... This is a tough one for it old is, Triple G. I it don't is. Know. And also, we're talking about Turner being number two. They need to get Leno out. Yeah, you know true. we have to factor that one in. But um, yeah, I don't know. It is tough. Uh, Nick Pope's gone to Newcastle, and I had a comparison done from FB Ref between him and Dubravka, and then I just looked at the stats. as like this isn't interesting to anyone. But apparently, he's not being brought in to replace Dubravka. They're going to fight it out for the number one spot. So there how you about go. that? Well, there you go. That's transfer room. So we really, we really did dive into the mosh pit. A week ago, I said how much I hate it, and look at me. Now I'm just I'm among all of you, you monsters in here with your long hair and sweat. I got a text from my friend uh, Jared, who was new to the World's Game, and he wanted to know where is a good, reliable place to go for transfer rumors, etc. And I wanted to say it to him, just don't do it. Stay <laughs> out of it. Do do uh, what you said was your maxim last week. When they turn up with the shirt, then analyze the transfer. Then talk about it then. Otherwise... But even that has become difficult now because people are superimposing <laughs> the shirts on guys before things are done. So they've, got, they've got... Well, they were, they were, they've been doing that for years, but now what they're doing is superimposing them onto players in a scenario where they've scored a goal and are celebrating. <laughs> you don't know what you're seeing. Yeah. The world of disinformation, man. Uh, it's, it's scary. It's a scary world out there. I'll tell you what, let's break one more time. We're going to come back. A couple other things uh, to mention, a mailbag as well. So there's still, still a little bit more caught offside. Don't go anywhere. Oh, back again on Caught Offside. One thing I wanted to mention, because um, I've gotten several tweets on this so Uh-oh. I feel like I, I should let people know a few weeks ago I mentioned um, 
Eric Dyer being on a podcast, and I couldn't remember what it was. And yeah. I said it was like an hour conversation with him, and he was he was really really good. And if you're a Tottenham fan or even just a soccer fan in general, uh, it was just very interesting from a player that I feel like I just I don't know didn't really know on the personal level quite so well. Uh, the high performance podcast with Jake Humphrey. Uh, yep. Okay. From BT Sport. I mean, at least give it a proper plug. I didn't. I thought I did. I gave the title. I don't know. Uh, but it was very good. It was very good. They did fine work. Those guys. Imagine if someone plugged our podcast and said the caught offside right. podcast and ESPN with JJ. You'd well, lose your mind. Well, first of all, I didn't say either name. You know, you there's got, two guys. Get it right. We, you did. You just did that. Right. I didn't say either of the names because I couldn't remember. So I just left it at the title of the show. If somebody just said caught offside, I'd say, yeah, that's that's all I need. No, I need my name. You really, you do. You're that vain. Uh, let's see, couple of couple of things here. Quick um, things before an epic mailbag. Yeah, a couple quick things. The U.S. under twenties are in action as we speak. Uh, quarterfinal against Costa Rica. When I last checked, Paxton Aronson had scored in the fifth minute. They're up one nil. This uh, has been. They're I mean, up two nil. Paxton Aronson and Aronson Paxton. Forty nine minutes. F- fifth minute. Forty nine minute. Two nil against Costa Rica. Uh... And oh, it was him twice. I was about to say who who actually scored the second goal. Interesting no, were- stats: eleven shots on uh, shots, eleven attempts for both teams. Six shots on target for the U.S. Five on target for Costa Rica. We're dominating possession though, and it's two uh, nil, ninety plus one. So that's in the put bag. It, put it in the books. In the bag. This has been a good experience for the U.S. for the under twenties. Definitely, um, they are clicking with this win. I believe they clinched their spot in the Olympics, which we should probably. <laughs> that should be a big deal, considering like how we've belly ached over the last three cycles when they haven't. Well, didn't we have that freak out? Remember? Yeah. So like during yeah. twenty twenty, remember when they in the fall of twenty twenty they they failed to qualify and there was a whole thing. Remember they lost to Honduras, right? Yeah, yeah. So no small thing. Unless I have it backwards, which one? Which one is if they? <sighs> there were two scenarios in this tournament. I, I'm a bad person for not remembering this off the top of my no. head. One was if the top four qualify, I thought, for the Olympics, top two for the under-20 World Cup. Is it reversed? See, now I'm in my head. Can you look that up while I talk a little bit about, about uh, Diego Luna again, who I talked about last week? Because this is becoming a thing now. So I want to let people know, I thought there was going to be room on the bandwagon for him. It's filling up really fast. All right? So you got to get on now. This guy is... I can't stop watching his highlight videos. He's electric. I'm in. I'm all in. There are a lot of players on this team that are comfortable on the ball. Uh, it's, I'm, gonna, I'm very curious about how some of these guys continue to progress. Him, uh, Paxson Aronson, who, like we said, has scored twice tonight. This, is, this has become a fun tournament and a group of players that I think American fans are going to become very familiar with very quickly. Uh, USA will face Costa Rica in quarterfinals for FIFA U20 World Cup berth. Oh, so in, I did have it reversed. on Tuesday. Yeah, okay. you, you got it reversed. All right, I'm glad I checked myself. Yes. Um, look, there's some of these names that are emerging. Uh, Quinn Sullivan. Uh, it's it's really exciting to see that that kind of talent. But I think more than anything, and you alluded to it last week, the way in which they take their chances, the way in which the moves and the goals are constructed is. It's a it's a nice brand of of soccer. It's a very entertaining brand of soccer, and. Um, and it's good to see, definitely. A couple quick MLS things. Wild game over the weekend that I wanted to mention between the top two teams in the East, Philadelphia Union, NYCFC. Uh, this one could have been 5-6-0, nil, 
But instead, as soccer sometimes does, there we were in stoppage time with it being 1-1 after, uh, you know, the Union chance after chance after chance couldn't, you know, they, they broke through once in the ninth minute. Um, there was a couple of good Sean Johnson but saves. From, but a, between... from about the ninth to 30th minute, Ugh. it was, I mean, it really could have been 3-4-5 for the Union. And NYCFC, they held their nerve. They they kept it at one um, poor finishing from NYCFC. They, in the end, in the 89th, did get the penalty on a, I guess I'll say it's a controversial handball, although I'm not surprised that it was given. Um, and, and, you know, it looked like they were headed for 1-1, uh, but then a wild deflection off of Corey Burke uh, was called offside, changed the call correctly, 2-1, and then in, like, the 100th minute, it looked like NYCFC were going to be getting another handball. Which you thought was a handball. I, I mean... I think they all are now. That's kind of where I am with with that rule. Right. Like I, I used to think none of them were. Now I think they all are. I've been trained. My mind has has been recalibrated. But it wasn't given. Two won the final, and a really good performance from the union. I thought. But for NYCFC, JJ, I saw a tweet from Ian Joy, obviously one of the broadcasters who covers NYCFC um, on the S Network, and he tweeted afterwards, "Dear team." I understand that Ronnie left and things are different now, but please, for the love of all of us, wake up, all caps, three exclamation marks. You are too good to be playing like this. They were not good. No. And so I understand the frustration. Um, I think just like I've really come this season to enjoy Talis Magno. I feel like he's really becoming a, an exciting player to watch. But some of his finishing in this game, like attempts that should have been quality really scoring chances. Weak. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I can understand an NYCFC fan seeing him getting in the right positions, but then um, finishing the way that he was and thinking, you know, kind of putting your hands up to your head and saying, ah! But so, but I, I would say to, you know, Ian Joy as well, I know, like this is a team that discovered the the secret. You don't have to be the front runners to win MLS Cup. You can get into the playoffs and, and do the damage well, Yeah, there. but you can still be frustrated as the season's sure, going along but, if you expect more. But sure, since the, since the win on May 28th, the 1-0 win, win over Minnesota, New York City have, they've tied with Colorado. Okay, not a, not a great result. Uh, lost... In the U.S. Open Cup quarterfinal, three 0 to the to the crosstown rivals and the Red Bulls. That's not good, and they've lost again to Philadelphia. All right, okay, it's a bit of a blip right now, but things are going to take time to bet in under a new coach, even if he is from the the, the you know the city system. It's going to take uh, take time. So yeah, and look, I guess you know, I suppose you can excuse them. Like for losing two one in stoppage time I mean, at the no Union. Modes. Philadelphia is really good. Uh, so, yeah. By the way, we should mention too, JJ, that uh, the union trainer, Paul Rushing, was red carded in this one. Have you ever seen anything like that? The way um, that, that way that happened? I, ha- I haven't. I've Generally, though, when the trainer is on, you don't have a group of players surrounding the player in that manner. He's usually not crowded in that fashion. And it was uh, Acevedo was trying to touch or interfere in some way with the player on the ground. Mm-hmm. And Paul, Paul Rushing. Wasn't having it. No, he wasn't. And I kind of agree with him. If a player's receiving treatment, unless you're, you know, a doctor yourself, get out of there. What are you doing? Um, I have never seen anything like that. By the way, I wouldn't mess with rushing. No, he's a big dude. He looks like he'd be in the Sepultura uh, mosh pit with those tats on that arm. High-fiving fans as he left. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was wondering what, like, union ownership, or front office would think of that if it's just like, come on, man, this isn't what I, you're here for. I think if they watch the coverage back, you you gotta 
you got to back your guy, but also tell him maybe don't have that kind of fan interaction after a contentious moment. Uh, one other note I wanted to mention, he's not able to play until July 9th, but Lorenzo Insigne has arrived. He was uh, in Toronto. He was unveiled to um, an adoring crowd um, as he got into the city center. Yeah. Um, he wore a jacket with his initials. Nice. Embroidered power, on. A power move. Yeah. Uh, Tom Bogert tweeted this quote from Insigne. He said, Michael Bradley has helped me a lot because he can speak Italian, and he said he can help me adjust. We played a couple times against each other. He's a great player. He helps the whole team. I'm looking forward to playing with him. And immediately after saying that, American fans turned on Lorenzo Insigne. They hate him now. <laughs> this will be fun. I'm excited for July 9th when uh, you know him. We talked before Bale, Chiellini. A lot of there will be a lot of new fun additions to the league. So I'm looking uh, looking forward to it. And Toronto, who struggled for a good portion of the beginning of the season, starting to hit their stride a little bit at the right time. And if he can. You know that's a big piece to suddenly throw into the mix if they're starting to click. But if he can fit in seamlessly, they could be they could become a, a team no one will want to play as you get deeper into the season and into the postseason. It's exciting to have him there. He's like he's been long a favorite of mine, so it's going to be great to get to see him in person. Um, and I want you to buy me a blazer with uh, JJD on it um, that I can wear to events. <laughs> that's too many initials. You got to pick two. Okay, JD. Oh really? But your name is JJ. Like it's it's perfect. Okay, JJ. Then. All right. All right. From a branding standpoint. Uh, you have a mailbag? Caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com. That is the email. I've forgotten the password again, so I will try and Didn't figure it out. you just reset it a week ago? Yep. Okay. Oh. Uh, at CO Soccer Pod on Twitter. Caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com. Please go follow us uh, on Instagram too. Caughtoffside ESPN. Please follow us there. Follow us on Twitter. Leave us a review on iTunes, and go to Spotify and click five stars. Please go to Spotify and do that. It's very easy. You don't have to write anything. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Uh, Even in the off-season, Andrew, even when there's no football to be played and even when it's in our animals' enclosure on Reddit, the accusations of bias, bias. Oh, rabid animal. They get in there. They never fail. This is from Feed City. I wonder who he supports. Uh, So JJ will praise Pulisic to high heaven, but need him to show more durability when it comes to the hypothetical of him joining Liverpool? Question mark. Talk about ridiculous bias. Life will make hypocrites out of all of us. But does he know what durability means? Well, Pulisic has a tendency to get hurt. Right. So, yeah. But that's nothing got to do with his talent. Like, he's a super talented player. But but I can understand his perspective because he's heard you... Justifiably so, endlessly praise Pulisic. He's a really good player. But when the player. talk comes of him joining Liverpool, now you don't. You're saying, eh, I don't think that's. What, don't think, think about this scenario. First of all, uh, I felt the same. Da- Daniel Sturridge is about as good and as polished and as sensational a finisher as I've seen at the club. But he could never stay fit. And by the end, you were like, "This is just. This is terrible for everyone." And you just wanted rid of him. Um, think of this scenario. He's playing in one of the most energetic and high-pressing sides in European football. Mm. Even if Pulisic's body survives that, then, then there's an international break and he gets kicked around the field in Nicaragua. You know, I just don't see how it would work and why would I want that? It doesn't mean he's not talented. It doesn't mean his first touch or his dribbling skills, all things being equal. But things aren't equal. He can't stay fit. I don't see how that's bias. I bias that I don't want to sign a player who I think is very talented but is going to be injured all the time. It's not bias. Hmm. 
If Rafinha to Chelsea happens, is that writing on the wall for Pulisic? Because the, the, the talk of him to Juventus seems to be heating up. Well, Tuchel started saying the other day, you know, we're looking for looking for two wingers. Or that was the rumor that came out. I don't know if he actually said that himself. Tuchel, who is director of football operations at the club now because there's no one left. Um, Tony in Chicago. Are Newcastle being serious with this third kit they launched today? What better way to say you are not owned by Saudi Arabia than to essentially have the Saudi Arabia national kit as your as your third shirt? Are they saying that we're not owned by Saudi Arabia? Have they? It, oh, it they said that they said that they're not. I mean, that's the guarantee. They said there'd be no interference and, and there's no connection between Saudi Arabia. I mean, look, once that that's what they told the Premier League. That was the basis of the sign, and that's why everyone's laughing at it. They're owned by the public investment. Um, fund and the PIF, PIF has the chairman who? MBS Mohammed Bill Salman why are we even arguing this? Have you seen the shirt? I have yeah come on like it's the Saudi Arabian jersey uh, yeah there's some Newcastle fans are trying to say it's like the white and green and kind of purpley effort they had a few like maybe 12-13 years ago something like that it's nothing like okay. that it's the Saudi Arabian third jersey yeah or it's their third jersey, but it's Saudi Arabian home jersey, whatever. Yeah, I, I, I mean, are they just getting brazen now at this point? It's like, might as well lean into it. Don't know. Meredith in Virginia. Have you seen the article on the ex-MLS player who has now been diagnosed as having CTE? So this was from Andrew Kay today on, um, on the New York Times. It's an article everyone... Uh, should go and read. A diagnosis brings CTE into American pro soccer. Scott Vermillion, a former college star who played four seasons in MLS, died in 2020. He is the first American professional soccer player with a public case of CTE. Um, the article is really harrowing uh, about how his behaviour uh, and his life kind of spiralled out of control, how he suffered headaches, how he became kind of erratic in his personal life and in his attitude towards family and friends. And um, he, they, he was investigated after his death. And, and, and uh, so we have, you know, a career. We've always been saying that, you know, the CTE candidates we're talking about, what, like Jeff Astle, um, the former England player, but they were in the 1970s. And now... We wanted something from like a recent span of football, mm. uh, of soccer. And here in America, we appear to have that in, in the unfortunate and tragic case of Scott Vermillion. Now, it's weird because I think this country has genuinely taken a front foot approach to this by, you know, at youth level banning headers and things right. like that. And, and MLS has trialed games where no headers are allowed. But, um, you know, we saw the... the um, the report, which we talked about on this podcast from 2019, that said, from your um, from the UK, that said you are uh, three times more likely to get CTE. Uh, the professional, the f- the retired professional football class, are are three times more likely to to develop this from uh, th- than any other part of the population. So, I mean, the link appears to be there now. Yeah, this will set off alarm bells. I think, think we we've talked before about how just safety's sake. Maybe we are in the dying days of heading. Because soccer is not... That's hard for That's hard for me to imagine because it's just... I don't know. It's such an indelible part of the game. Yeah. I wonder if before going to a measure like that, there's some kind of like protective headgear that they would have players wear instead. 
where mm. they would try that before just immediately taking that out altogether. Something like what you see Petr Cech wearing. Something that I think you see them at high school level, sometimes in college level, that people do wear these I mean, kind I, of rubber bands. If it was wear this or we're taking heading out of this game altogether, then I think guys would say, okay, well, well let's try it. Because I think soccer, in terms of safety, is one of the safest sports you can play. I mean, there's no contact sport that's 100% safe, but in terms of, like, compared to, like, football. Well, foot, yeah, okay. I mean, sure, compared to the most Or even hockey sport. or something like that. I think it's much safer. Um, but but heading is the aspect of danger in it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's Andrew Kay's article on um, on New York Times, and it just came out today. So it's, it's you know... A good read, uh, a harrowing read. Young Andrew, what did you think of the Pogmentary, or will you watch it? Haven't seen it. Have, will, definitely will watch it. Haven't seen it yet. Haven't seen it. Where is it available? Good question. Can you check that for me? <laughs> sure. Because uh, Is that what it's called, the Pogmentary? I've seen people calling it that, but that is a terrible name. Yeah, it is. Oh, good um, lord. Let's see, where would one find this? Prime Video, it appears. Oh, okay, where you can find other gems, such as, and we didn't get a chance to talk. Its rating is not strong. (laughs) Two stars uh, out of five currently. The Pogmentary, Born Ready, it's called. Uh, Oh, it's like a, it's five episodes. Oh, it is? Yeah. I'll definitely. Five, like, 30-minute episodes. I'll definitely watch it, because I can't get through the Sergio Ramos documentary right now. It's the most... I've I've got through 20 minutes of it. It's so bad that I want you to watch it because you will collapse on the floor with the D-chills. Oh, so this is like the United Passions of documentaries. It's unbelievably... United Passions, I got through about 45 minutes and I, I couldn't do it anymore. I know it's about him, but and I know it's like produced by him and I know he had a huge hand in it, but... It's so self-serving. It's unbelievable. I mean, and it's random. It's so badly put together. It's like a documentary you would make if you were in high school. Let's put lots of cool things in it. So there's one moment where it shows all the goals from El Clasico from, like, I'd say the 1950s right up to recent times, of course, when Ramos was playing, right up. And the music that's playing over it is the times they are changing. Like, it... It made, made no sense to me, okay? And then there's another gratuitous moment where, and nobody has a bad thing to say about Ramos. It's all just like lavish praise. And this, I mean, this is the scene that made me go, oh, I have to turn this off. He's in the swimming pool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly working hard early in the morning. It's 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 dawn, right? He's, yeah, there's it, nothing wrong with that. You not, see that in documentaries. Sure, sure. And there he is going, and you know, slow motion shots, like the rippling muscles of his torso, his his heavily tattooed arms. Right. And the music that's playing is, real human being and a real hero from the Drive soundtrack. Real, like, don't know. You don't, that's not what you do. Where is this available? Oh, Amazon Prime. It's, It's awful. And then his wife, for no reason, comes on and blathers on about social media and how it's so important. I feel social media can be a good thing, a good thing to communicate with people. And it shows her embroidering a jacket, a a denim jacket with the KISS logo. KISS, the 1980s band. Like she's jazzing, she's jazzing up this jacket. I'm like, what has this got to do with anything? 
It's just a mess. But I should watch it. Because I want you to... I want. Well, how long is it? I have no idea. I only got through 20 minutes. I just oh, want... 20 minutes? Just watch 20 minutes, please. The first 20 minutes of The Legend of Sergio Ramos. Okay. Uh, also, they dubbed it. They gave you no Spanish option with subtitles. It's dubbed. You can't turn the dubbing off. So what, what nationality do you think they picked for the dubbing? Uh, English? Yeah, but... You know, what accent for the dubbing? Uh, British? American. Some kind of mad... It's not, I'm not even sure it's American. Some kind of mid-Atlantic accent. Okay. What, why is it... I mean, I would prefer it to just be in Spanish with subtitles. Correct! Yeah. Oh, absolute mess. The, however bad the pogmentary is, it can't... The pogmentary. Oh. Wow. Are you done? No, Rob is going to finish this out here. Have JJ or Andrew seen Top Gun Maverick yet? Oh, I have a horrifying thing to report. I've never seen the original Top Gun. Oh, wow. So I can't... I've heard it's amazing, but I can't watch the new one until I see the original. The original... So I did that with Karate Kid because when uh, Cobra Kai came out on Netflix, yeah. people kept telling me how good it was. I had never seen the Karate Kid, so I went all in, watched both movies back to back, loved it. I'm taking up karate now. Already a brown belt. You believe it? Um, I hadn't seen oh Top Gun since I was a kid. Which and when you're a kid, it's the best film in the world. Jet fighters and cool looking American guys and and impossibly good looking women. Oh yeah, amazing! With an amazing soundtrack. Uh, I watched it a couple of years ago with my girlfriend, and it's. Didn't the, age well. The original has not aged well. No, no, in, in no. It's cheesy eighties. It's it's very oh, of the time. Oh, it's shockingly bad. Um, so I I don't hold out much hope for this one. Although everyone's been telling me this is awesome. I've heard it's really really. Yeah, good. I will still watch it. Um, yeah. Sorry, I I just have to go back to Sergio Ramos in the swimming pool. Oh my! You God. think that's okay to put like that song over him? I didn't swimming. say the song, but you were you were going through like they just had a shot of him working out or something. Like you see that in documentaries. Sure, but to put that music over it's well, not. A, I gotta it's not hear a, it. I I I I'll have to watch this piece of garbage. Apparently, <laughs> it's so bad. It's like me if I was. You know, we were recording me working out in the morning, and the song I picked was "Sexy Boy" by Air. You know, like. Oh yeah, that, because it's almost like projecting what you want people to think of you. And a real hero. Ugh, the it's the worst thing I've seen. It is absolutely. It's a turd. It's shocking. But you've only seen twenty minutes. You don't know what's coming in the last. I I couldn't get through his wife's blather about social media, and I wouldn't mind. It's not like I don't want his family to be involved. Like, but it's not like you know. Before I met her, I, I you know I I didn't have that same focus. I but she came into my life, and 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 this is the interplay between us. No, it's absolute. It's just non sequitur. It has nothing to do with anything. I want to make a documentary about you. <laughs> what would you call it? The American Dream. Yeah, that's even that makes me cringe. Um, yeah, no, you thinking doesn't make good audio. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's enough ranting. God, what a podcast! I'll tell you what. For all the bashing that you did of the Sergio Ramos documentary, I bet we've got thirty listeners oh. at least who are going to watch it now. Like you, you're advertising for this thing. Like, in spite of your efforts to crush it, you've made people supremely curious about actually seeing what this thing is. 
Sergio Ramos. Legends define themselves for who they have been, but also for who they are and who they will be. We are going to relive the great sporting milestones of a unique career as we accompany Sergio in one of the strangest, most complicated seasons in soccer history. An opportunity to meet the legend, but also the person behind it, who's already beginning to manage life after soccer. <sighs> well, there you have it. That'll do it. That will just about do it for this edition of Caught Offside. We'll be back with another one again next week. Hey. I got nothing left other than uh, to you, I say. (laughs) Gareth Bale to MLS. Good times, my friend. Hey, I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 